0: Welcome to Dayton Warcry Club. I'm Warren, and today I'm joined by my co-host Fred and special guest Peter Mersinkavage from our latest tournament. Tonight we'll be talking about the results of our most recent local tournament, including a battle report featuring Fred and Peter where they went toe-to-toe in a rematch of last year's Gen Con finals. We'll also have our usual hobby update, talk about Warcry news, and upcoming local events, all next on Dayton Warcry Club. guys how's it going
1: good i'm good Corin. thanks for having me
0: yeah so far so good so yeah as i talked about here we have our we have our friend peter on i've, I've chatted with peter at a number of events in the past and it's great to have another solid player on to talk about uh cry and uh kind of go do a battle report in our uh our sort of like post-mortem style before we do that though um Just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, like uh, what's your hobby background? What got you into the Warcry GW games? Do you have any other games in your background?
1: Oh, gosh, Uh, I've been playing tabletop games since I could comprehend them, to be perfectly honest. I had a friend of mine, Mike, growing up that uh, introduced me to this small little group of ultramarines he had. And uh, that was about age 14 or 15. And uh, I got pretty heavily into 40K after that, have entirely too much of it. But I kind of stepped away from it last edition, uh, partly just because of uh, my wife and I, we move a lot. And uh, just where I moved to in Pennsylvania, there really wasn't much of a 40K scene. And uh, that kind of just put the hobby on hold for me for a good bit. And then uh, I just kept seeing more and more about and I kept thinking like I always loved the fantasy side of the miniatures. I just never had a reason to really get into it and I had no interest in being big Age of Sigmar. Um, so I was kind of I kept looking at it and I was like, oh, these these miniatures are great so I can literally pick the, my favorite ones and figure out how to make a warband out of it and that kind of really drew me into the whole thing and then I just I guess I haven't really looked back from it. And that was kind of mid first first edition war cry but uh, i have a pretty yeah long background and miniatures though I, I would say 40k was my biggest one
0: awesome yeah and then uh so next we'll cover hobby update and it looks like you're going to be branching out a little bit potentially well oh.
1: yeah yeah it's it's kind of funny because i actually have entirely too many war bands uh i i think i'm at like 26 now <laughs> um, oh okay
0: it's just yeah. you you only play gets in the tournaments we hear uh, about
1: that's correct i I tend to only bring gets to tournaments um and there's there's some reasons for that but uh yeah I actually have a lot of different war bands though so I've been trying to behave myself this year and finish a war band before I start a new one and that was all going well till uh, my wife's from the UK and we went over there and I was at Warhammer world and it just kind of fell apart there and I bought entire the hat. So I'm, my backlog is ridiculous again, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there, but yeah, yeah, just finished up, uh, finished up my Stormcast there and I'm currently working on the, the war Warband I picked up at Warhammer World. So yeah, keeping busy.
0: Yeah. I like the color scheme and the head swaps there. And, uh, yeah, I love, I love Corn as well. We have at least three Corn Enjoyers in our local area. No, f- four, four now.
1: Yeah, that's. Any cool routes you can go with the warband? I'm actually surprised you don't see them more at tournaments because I think they have a ton of potential. Uh, but I've, I've been meaning to get behind and build one for a while. So as soon as I saw the Lord on Juggernaut at Warhammer World on the shelf, I was like, ah, well, I guess it's happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have a couple. I have a couple Skull Crushers I picked up separately. Haven't built them yet, um, but that's just one of the one of the ones I'm adding to my collection. And I'll have. I think I have almost all of the heroes that are worth playing now as well. Just randomly, because they have like this huge assortment of heroes.
1: Oh, they do. Yeah, what a selection. But yeah, uh, yeah pretty much been it for me hobby side. i have just been slapping some iron jaws together this week. But that's that's pretty much been it.
0: Uh, Fred, what about you? I we're, we're going to see your Fomo Crusher in a bit.
2: Yeah, I haven't. I've been working on um, my my um, horns for shut. Chaos Dwarf list, um, which is all old style Chaos Dwarf sculpts with the big hats and um, all the the runes and everything. Um, I had the uh, the leader done. I had the Fomaroid Crusher conversion done, which is going to be a Boltar. And I had the um, uh, Flame Hurlers done, but I did not get the Shatterers done in time for the, the event. So I've told myself I'm not going to start anything else until I finish the horns. Um, so I'm working on getting those last couple of shatterers done. Um, I think the warband has a lot of potential. Obviously, there's a recent result where it did very, very well. Um, shatterers are really gross. Flame hurlers are really gross. Um, any of those they can fit a formoid crusher in it Like has that going on. So so I'm excited to get those on the table. Um Then I picked up a third box of Rottmeyer Creed recently, so my next project will be getting Rottmeyer Creed up and on the table. So I have everything else NERDL related done. I got to get Rottmeyer up and running.
0: It's a lot of just a lot of boxes
2: for just the bloated ones. Need the bloated ones. And I don't even know that I'm going to run three, but like I think that there are lists that that do want three. So I want to have that option.
0: Yeah, I thought Triple Hurt Frame Flame Hurler was just a meme, and then we started seeing lists with it do well, and are like, okay, well, I guess not.
2: They, <laughs> The Flame Hurler on its own is has so much damage potential, just as, like, if you get it in the right position, that, like, that could theoretically be, like, the damage core of your army, and then you have, like, these insane shatterers that, like, don't die and have too much range and then sit and poke. I don't know. I don't know. I only built two. Um, uh, of the Dwarves that I have, but we'll see. I might want the
1: third. Speaking from experience, uh, playing, ho- playing against Javi at Atlantic City, uh, the Flame Hurler is my most hated model in the game now. I'll be perfectly honest. It's, it's disgusting what that 100 and what 25-point model does on the board. Yeah. yeah, it's it's ridiculously good. Ridiculously good.
2: So, and like the the full Mortar crusher list, like you have to play like a demolisher with two weapons, which is not I don't like to make the points work. I don't know. You might want the third. That might be the optimal list. i'm not I'm not one hundred percent sure, but they are gross.
0: Well, this is some of the stuff I've been working on. So this top picture there, that's a pic, the snapshot of my desk at one point in time. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, remember, the best way to to enjoy us is on YouTube, uh, it, but we also have the, uh, the audio version as well. Uh, but if you're watching this on YouTube, freeze frame this and see how many factions you can identify on my painting table uh, in, that, in that given snapshot of time. And also, there's a handful more up top you can't see out of view as well. I'll leave that as an exercise to
2: the viewer. Warren, as the, as the TO of these local events, we haven't seen you put a 2.0 list on the table in a while.
0: No, I've, I've occasionally been challenging. I've been, I'm have i bringing the war bands, and I'm occasionally challenging people. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I've been more content to just sit and sit and organize and watch other people play. So uh, I'll be getting some games in the next one we do, probably down at uh, Mavericks, though. <clears throat> yeah, especially when doing a tournament, I, I focus all my efforts on the tournament.
2: If you had to bring a list right now, what would you bring?
0: of what I have completed, it would be this next list, uh, the Flesh Eater Quartz I'm gonna show you. But I also did this, I also got a bunch of Gits based. So this was a gift from uh, Hood on Discord. I I purchased some terrain from them and I got a whole lot of other stuff thrown in, uh, including a a fully painted Gits warband. Uh, I just had to do some rebasing on it. So this was kind of a test run for a basing scheme I wanna use for destruction. I'm probably gonna modify it some, but as a standalone, just fun warband, just play a bunch of Gits uh, I have, you know, a lot of stuff there, so I have options there just to play as a fun casual warband. <clears throat> Most recent things I finished uh, since uh, the last time we had scheduled to talk was uh, additions to my Flesh Eater Chords. So now I got a Vargolf Courtier, I got a second Crypt Horror, and I now have a uh, Abhorrent Ghoul King. And so there's the whole collection right there uh, with enough ghouls. I got two Flyers, two Horrors. Uh, a bunch of leader options, and uh, this is all going to be going, uh, actually be playing a, a lot of these in an event uh, this this weekend, uh, as of the time of recording. Yeah. So I would play something like this, uh, just to give it a try. Uh, Kyle Smith's, based off of Kyle Smith's Adepticon list.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I noticed the additions, and that's what it reminded me of, was Adepticon. And yeah, I couldn't remember yeah. it, but yeah, you're right, Kyle, Kyle it, Smith, it, that, was, that was a great list.
0: Yep, it's yeah straight straight inspired by him, right? The second the second horror which I needed the the, the courtier and the uh, and the ghoul king, and I I had them and just a little bit of conversion work and f- finally pulling the trigger on uh, getting these done because it's n- there's nothing like needing things for an event to actually light a fire under your butt and get you to get things done.
2: Very true. Absolutely. I boy, I really liked FEC in 1.0. I liked my Crypt Infernals, my Crypt Infernal courtier list, but. They're definitely different now. I love the Vargo of Cordier. That is a great unit and um, has a lot of utility as well as being really killy. Um, so there's a couple of different ways to build FEC right now, especially since we got the um, the new self-contained warband, the Royal Beast Flayers. Give you some interesting ally options in the if you want to go pure swarm and, and some interesting stuff you can do there. So yeah. It's uh it's an interesting list to explore. I haven't really explored it much in 2.0, besides that dreadblade Harrow list we were working on a wh- a ways back with the Bar- of Cordier. But um, yeah, good stuff.
0: Yep. And then uh, next up next up is going to be Iron Jaws. So I got them all built, all primed. T- time to start working on Iron Jaws. that would be my next tournament tournament level list uh, to finally start getting pieces done and get on the uh, get on the battlefield. So uh, next up is our news, our our news section and uh, latest previews. And a lot of these I actually got to talk about on the Tabletop and Beyond podcast. You can check them out at Tabletop and Beyond. Uh, Also, there's a a YouTube channel for it. Uh, If you want to hear more about me talking about these, uh, these previews, the starters, the new starter set. uh, And then also we were talking about those Beast Flare Ghouls, uh, talking about that warband as well. And a little bit about tournament scoring, too. Uh, you know, some of the things we might talk about today here as well. But uh, if you want to hear more, uh, you can uh, check out Tabletop and Beyond as well. I was a uh, guest on there. But uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the the Monster Killers, the the, uh, the uh, Cruel Boys warband that got announced at the not 40K preview. So what do you guys think about this? It's
2: it's interesting to see more Cruel Boys support. Um, which is which is a good thing. Uh, the uh, the leader model is a wildly over-engineered model um, yes. in terms of just you know it's a little busy, but I think it's fine. You get giant killer monkeys. I mean, I'm I'm all for it on paper. The
1: the part I'm trying to figure out right is I don't, maybe I'm the only one, but I was looking at this trying to figure out how this makes a thousand points. Yeah,
2: it's a good question.
0: Uh for the monkeys, probably like 150 each. The leader, two hundred, gets you to five. Your three big chaff guys probably like it probably be in the expensive chaff range, like 95s. Uh yeah, it still gets you a little bit short if that's truly eight models. So maybe the monkeys are gonna be fast and you're gonna be paying more for them. I don't know.
1: Either that or I was kind of wondering whether or not the boss was going to be just an extra expensive bespoke hero that combined with monkeys because I I have a hard time believing those cruel boys like basic gut rippers are 75 points and they look better than these guys so I just I'm I'm really curious to see how the points average out and what the abilities look like I think that would be the biggest thing for me
2: it would be cool to see them go with a bigger tougher Heavier hitting bespoke hero, which they've really shied away from. You know, it's really hard to get more than twenty wounds in a bespoke warband right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be cool to to see them break the mold and and go for like a a, a true like um, build around hero type model. You know, we'll see. I, I don't know. Yeah,
0: the internet's all about the monkeys. Yes, uh, offman Amusings is is sculpting his all monkey warband. I was a little cool on them in the beginning. I was like, okay, we got enough mascots. We got enough weird animals in our war bands. But it's starting to grow on me I, uh, since the I, last I, time I talked about them.
1: My, uh, to me, the MVP is is the grot with the egg. I, I think I think that's the best model out of the war band, in my opinion. But
0: Yes, tiny, goofy mascots are the best.
1: Probably. Oh, they are.
0: Pot grot, stab grot, egg grot. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's an inch. I, I like the warband. I'm just I'm very curious uh, to to Fred's point, I I do think the hero is really overdone. Um but I mean, depending on how you customize it and stuff like that, you can always leave a couple pieces off or whatever, but uh yeah, I am I'm I'm more curious just to see how the points lay out and the abilities. I think that's what will really be a telling thing about this warband. It
0: also it it's weird. The timing is weird. It feels like an afterthought. Like yeah, we were just announced one warband at, at the at the end of the whole GUR cycle.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, it's like we've gotten beast flayers and then monster killers. It's you know, GUR <laughs> is real heavy on the "we're here to kill monsters" um, kind of thing. They didn't really stretch themselves too much creatively on this one, but the models are cool. Um, and like I said, it's cool to have more Cruel Boys in the game, like a relatively recent added faction to get some more support. So, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But um, overall, I think I'm like pro this box from what we know about it so far. See how the stats mm-hmm. work out. The last couple of bespokes to come out have all been really interesting rules wise. Yeah, there's been
0: some very powerful, very, very powerful abilities that make them useful in a a variety of warbands, both in faction and across the
2: Alliance. Yeah, like they've they've shown a willingness to do some interesting things like the questers, which are all heroes, you know, so you never know. They could have some real interesting rules. They've shown a willingness recently to kind of do that. See how it works out. It does
1: it does make me curious for the war bands we're getting in the fall because we got what three more three more for the fall and I wonder whether or not they will kind of stick with that gnarle theme going into them. I guess that's the more curious direction since we're stepping away from the big boxes, what that's gonna kinda look like.
0: Yeah, I think that's and that think that was part of my 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 cooler rea- my cooler reaction to this was the fact that like I'm a little burnt out on the four quarterly boxes full of meat trees, et cetera. And we got another one that's obviously kind of based in Gur.
1: Which makes sense. I get that. But yeah, I also fully understand the, the meat tree burnout. Yeah.
0: Well, we also, this is not directly related to war cry, but we can only hope there was an underworld's review and I wouldn't be a, a, a scaven enjoyer. If I didn't talk about this, these are some great looking plague monks.
2: Awesome models. It's we have a really bad recent track record of getting rules out for these. We have a ton of war bands right now, like sitting out there with great models looking for rules. Exactly. Um, you know, your hexpanes hunters, like those are great models, would be really cool to have rules. Um, but I'd love to have rules for these guys, they're great models, and of course, you know, plague either nurgly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I agree with Fred the uh, the fact that like you haven't seen a lot of rules coming out for the underworlds war bands and there's some some great ones. I, I wanna see Night Haunt rules for that recent. Uh
0: oh yeah, the uh, headsman's court. Yes.
1: Oh, yes. Uh,
0: the Gore Chosen of Grom.
2: Yeah. Drom, somebody? Yep.
0: yep, Gore Chosen of Drom.
2: Yeah. Great. Including the, the, the Gore Halt. Yes. It has the Gore Hulk. We don't have Gore Hulk rules and that's a disaster. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I'm, so I'm hoping hold my breath, but I'd love to put these guys on the queue and get to them. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really
1: hoping we see another, what the, they did that with uh, one of the early white dwarfs of the year where there was like four, four or five war bands and one white dwarf. So I'm, i I'm still saying fingers crossed. I think we'll see it. It's just yeah, yeah. You,
0: yeah, you're... this just been it's been dribbled out. Then since then, there was Grazil's Arsenal, and there was Grincark's Loon Corps. Yeah. So you like like one per at one per magazine. And uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm not going to buy a white dwarf to get the rules for one Underworld's Warband. You got to get at least a couple in there if you're going to get my thirteen dollars.
1: Yeah. I
2: hope yeah. they do. It. I'll, I'll I'll gladly buy it. <laughs> I want rules. I want rules. I want my hexpains hunters on the table.
0: Yeah, Yes, so you're listening, GW. We want rules for Nether Maze. We want all of these. Right? We'll buy your you. We'll buy your magazines if you do. I'll it. buy your magazines and I'll buy
2: your war. I, everywhere I go, the the shops always have these underworld yeah. bands sitting there. It's not like they're flying off the shelves necessarily. I will buy them. I have yeah. every single one up through Nether Maze. Like without exception because they were i knew they were getting work rules like give me some hope they're getting work card rules i'll go by the ones i don't have right now
0: and then late then finally also we saw we finally saw an official preview for crypt of blood now we saw this get leaked a few months back but uh, now it's kind of official so it's going to be uh crimson court versus
2: zandar's truth, zandar's truth seekers
0: yes zandar's truth seekers Zandire so. is
2: a great model. It's great to have more access to Kalthea Zandire out there. Great model, great rules. And uh, Crimson Court is a great war band, too. So um, I think these are two good choices to have out there um, available to new players or to, to keep those in circulation. They're both popular. I know that the Crimson Court was, it was really hard to find for a while. Um, So, yeah, good stuff.
0: So the Internet's been divided on, on this. What do you guys think about this? As a set?
2: It's not for me. Uh, mm. As an extremely invested player that has all these models, I think it's a good mix of models to start with. It's not. Did it have to be like um, uh, Stormcast? You know, may, maybe not, but I, I think it's fine. They picked a good Stormcast Warband, at least.
1: Yeah, my big thing is I I understand that there's a lot of guys out there going like, "Hey, these aren't full war, war bands, right?" So, it's it's kind of like you're stepping into the hobby but not really stepping into the hobby cuz you can't bring this and play against somebody else. Uh, for me, I think it's I think it's great because Warcry needs a cheaper way to get into the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, we haven't seen the price yet. And that's, no, we haven't. <laughs> that's the big, that's the big floating question mark. But if GW has any sense and makes this affordable, I think it's wonderful because it's it's one of those things you can put this in Barnes and Nobles, you can put this in Walmart, right? And it's just like you can pick it off the shelf and get sucked in, and uh, the you'll start buying the plastic. That's, that's what happens. But yeah.
2: They're reasonably good. You can jump off from either one of these bands in a lot of different directions. Kalthea Zandire can go into a million different order of war bands. Um, Soul Black Grave Lords is ridiculously deep and you can build it oh, a thousand different ways. So they picked two good ones where you, you're not like pigeonholed right away, where like you're either going to play exactly this list or your models aren't going to be good. So they both can branch off effectively, which I like.
1: And tell me if I'm wrong, but the uh, the new starter set that they revamped for Underworlds is the Soulblight Gravelord Skeletons and the Hunter uh, Stormcast, isn't it?
2: I believe so, yeah. Yep.
1: So I, I, you can't tell me that's not coincidence they picked those two, because if you picked up both boxes, then there you go. You're you're set up with 2,000-point warbands.
2: Yeah. And Sons of Elmore are very good, too. Um mm-hmm. So you you get a lot of good models. I mean, very playable. Sons of Elmore, can, again, you can slot that, almost that entire faction right into a Soul blight list. And it's very playable.
1: Yeah. Uh, as far as which ones they could have picked, I, I don't think they could have picked better, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I purposely have been waiting to get both bands, and I plan on grabbing the box.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, I picked up... I don't, I don't really have a need for Crimson Court, and I picked up Zandar's Truth Seekers from the Warhammer Quest Relic Hunters game, so I, I got her, I got her from
2: there. Um, but uh, the other models are also fine, but the real exciting one out of there is Calpheusentire.
1: Sure, sure. And I think uh, something to remember too is like you got some guys complaining that like, well, I'm not going to get any use out of this, and this is coming from more senior Warcry players. But the whole point is it's not really for
0: Senior high
1: yes. players. Yep. This, yeah, and I
0: yeah. I can recognize that. <clears throat>
1: yeah. This is for people that are looking, going, "Hey, maybe this game is worth checking out."
0: Yep. And there's a need for a there's needs there's a need for a starter set that's hopefully less than ninety nine dollars. Right. My guess is still going to be it's unfortunately going to be ninety nine dollars, um, which is an okay price point, but it's not really going to like attract folks uh, for what you get. If
2: it was like seventy bucks. Yeah, well, similar
0: or 80, it would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but for eight models plus a little bit of terrain, that's that's not on the on the value side for expensive GW
1: plastic. Yeah, but it's it's a gateway. It's a gateway. So if they're intelligent, I, we'll we'll see the 80. I think, but I don't know. We'll find out. Yep.
0: One other thing. So I there's some other there were some other leaked images uh, that we found out back when back when this whole thing was leaked. Uh, worth noting that uh, they did adjust it looks like based on the translations they did adjust one of the abilities for crimson court Uh, they buffed one of the abilities and they also changed the points on inias the curseborn the flying vampire a very like a a very minor change in points so there's a precedent there there might be multiple versions out there They, they they're there's the possibility holding again holding out hope that they do a rebalance a you know another pass through on all the 1.0 underworlds war bands yeah. to get them to get the points lined up with with 2.0 because right now there's still a few there's some outliers that there's some outliers there that are, are very very good and you want to play and there's a lot there's a lot more underworlds ones that you just simply wouldn't want to touch because of the the way the points algorithm has changed
1: yeah I mean and I love yeah, I'd love that. The only problem I have with that is when has GW ever made rules for something that's out of print or out of production.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: <clears throat> yeah. I'd love I I'd love a revamp of the rules because those models are just incredible. But I just I don't see them going back to those older war bands.
0: Just a just a points update. All, it's all we, we need. It's all we want. <laughs> well, all right. So now next up. Talking about the tournament we had. So this was a couple of weeks ago now. And uh, so the, the structure of the tournament here, we did, uh, actually, I just I just lifted the exact mission sequence from Adepticon. We did Power Struggle from the, uh, the Rumble Pack. We did our, our, fa- our old favorite Reaper, Loot and Pillage, and then uh, Ley Lines. Uh, and so I, I felt that was actually a pretty good mix of objective missions, a kill mission, a treasure mission there. Uh, it wouldn't overly uh, wouldn't overly sway. The uh, the tournament in favor of, you know, swarm war bands and is uh, also, as you know, in Dayton, we have monster We have all monsters uh, blanket banned across the board to, uh, make, to make for a to make for a, a more friendly and welcoming environment to newer players.
2: I mean, the mission pack was good. Um, I, I enjoyed all my games. Uh, I, I think you did a good job of avoiding, because uh, obviously, you know, if anyone you played any Warcry at all, there's some egregiously bad missions, um, and I don't think any of them were featured here, so it worked pretty well.
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a great tournament pack. I, I really enjoyed it at Adepticon, and I enjoyed it just as much this time around.
2: Yeah, I just
0: wanted to keep it simple.
2: Yeah. These are intuitive missions, too, even if you're relatively new to the game. And we had players at this event that were very new to the game. You can look at this and be like, oh, OK, Reaper, I have to kill opponents, units over a yep. course of several turns. You know, I have to go grab these objectives and hold on to them. These are good, intuitive missions that, that don't do anything real wonky um, and are unlikely to, to tie which I think is also important, especially with the way we structured this thing ties just really through the whole thing for a loop. Um, So, so yeah, good stuff.
0: Yep. Next, next episode, we won't talk about it now on this episode, but as of the time of recording there, there are three new match play missions in the next white dwarf that are coming up and they're interesting, but they kind of suffer from just the, the problems that you talked about there, Fred, where, so they might they might be conducive to ties or there's a lot of there's a lot of extra stuff going on where like mechanics of the mission grant abilities and and stuff and you know i'm i'm sort of not liking them at first I, I, they would be fun narrative missions just like just fun to play but i i think twice before putting them in a tournament with something on the line here like you have these pure missions right you get two players and and yeah, let's let you know, let the, it
2: rules test the and the interaction and the complexity come from the warband lists. Is my sort of preference on it? Yeah, let the but, let the list selection and the way the players play them determine the outcome, as opposed to the weird scenarios of the map and the mission pack creating bizarre corner cases that you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a test of fundamentals, right? And it's not just yeah. like, not just not just you know who who brought the most chaff to the mission or who brought the biggest guy to the mission. Or right? like the you one, up, you the, one
2: the, the infamous one where you you get points for every model that's above two inches off the floor. Like who brought the models that can fly? Like you know, let the list play against each other.
1: Kind of reminds you of first edition when you're just pulling the cards, right? And yes. That- Yep. That's great, great for casual play, but when you pull one card that just you're looking at it going like, well, I'm pretty much have 90% chance I'm gonna lose this round. Yeah, it makes a difference in a tournament scenario.
2: We yeah. had one of the very first games we played. I was playing <laughs> Ogres with lead belchers, and the mission was like get the treasure and keep it. And the twist was you can't attack a unit more than three inches away. So all my units are slow. Warren had one fast unit and I couldn't shoot it. And the game yeah. was over on turn one, you know, those old twist cards and stuff could create those scenarios.
1: Yeah. But like I said, great for casual play. Not, not so good in a tournament setting. Let's talk
2: about the tournament. Let's go. Let's talk, let's talk about the
0: results. So here we go. Our, you got me presenting uh Fred with the, with the winner's medallion there uh, brought Nurgle again, three O and one. He he won on tie breaks uh as we'll we'll talk about here in a little bit for those uh for those listening on the podcast the list is Varengard with demon forge blade uh Fomaroid crusher for 260 with the
2: the 3648
0: profile is a is a big beater and he's
2: got high toughness and he's got a lot of wounds and he's reasonably fast just it puts Fomaroid crusher doesn't waste a single point it puts all the points right where you want them um, in terms of just like a mobile can opener, great, great, great unit.
0: Sloppity Biopiper sloppity and then six Plague Bears uh, for a total of 975 points, nine models. But uh, tell us about your list.
2: So um, I think to, to really simplify it down, if you're building a list in WorkRite right now, I have kind of a heuristic that, that I use. I don't know that it's the only way to build warbands. And of course, there are some warbands that, that attack the game from a completely different direction, like um, like Karajan Overlords uh, doesn't follow this metric, but it's still a very good warband. Um, I want a, ve- a very fast model, uh, you know, 10 inch move model.
0: So you uh, have a Varengard with Demon Forge Blade here.
2: Yep. Yeah. I want my. A second model that is at least a four-inch move that can be a can opener type model in case you run across Stormcast or something like that.
0: So that's the Fumroid Crusher in this case, uh, new then, addition to you?
2: Yes. And then I want the fill in with the best chaff available in faction. Um, and I think if you start with that, you can only go so wrong as a real simple, because if you have... Um, Objective missions, you can push forward early with your fast model and then catch up with your chaff or countercharge if your opponent got it there first. um, And then having good chaff to spread around. If it's Reaper, you have like a really good mobile hammer that can go get points for you. It's hard to keep your opponent's chaff model safe from a move 10 Varengard. It gives you a lot of flexibility. And I think that if you're going to use that metric that Nurgle Demons is the best faction to build with in the game because their plague bearers are so good. Um, and I think that the best fast objective taker slash counter charge unit in the game is the Varengard. So if you kind of keep, if you if you have those, the list kind of builds itself. Like once you start with like, Nurgle demons leader, at least six plague bearers, and then fill out the top end from there. You can go a lot of different directions, right? Like the Fomoroid Crusher could be a, a Spheranks, which will give you something to do with your dice, because Nurgle doesn't have a lot of great things to do with its dice. Um, but I wanted the strength six on the Firmaroid. uh Previous lists I've played have had a Lord of Afflictions, um, which has forty-two wounds and a good attack profile. Um, kind of filling that, that slot. Um, but the, the, the backbone of this list is obviously the plague bearers. Um, they are absolutely insane. Um, they are the, the the damage profile is sneaky good. If you haven't played with them or against them, that extra point of crit damage on a 50-point model is is really good. People will charge into three or four plague bearers and they will be surprised at how fast their model dies because it just gets double attacked by three or four plague bearers and gets crit to death. Um, and obviously this list is 975 points. I don't like leaving that many points on the table, um, but to get the Fomaroid in there, I built this list like the night before the tournament because I was going to play Horns of Shut and I wasn't going to get it finished. I didn't want to run back the Lord of Afflictions. I wanted to try something different. Um, so I found this Fomaroid Crusher proxy and painted it the night before the tournament and, and was like, okay, this is close enough. But yeah, plague bearers are insane. Um, if I were running this list back, I would turn the Sloppity Biopiper into a Plague-Ridden, which is the 90-point Lord, um, and add another plague Plaguebearer. Um, I very rarely use the Sloppity Biopiper ability. I don't think that in 2.0... In most of the missions, you, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, everyone's
0: like, oh, it's a moving buff. Okay, yeah, but it's, it's a plus one inch move bubble. Like, yeah, it helps. But are you gonna pay the points to go do that and spend a triple to give a, to give that move buff?
2: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I've tried it twice now, and I've been underwhelmed with it both times. Um, I think that just more play bears is going to be better.
0: Yeah, they'll, they'll get there. They'll get there eventually, and they'll fight.
2: They'll get there when they need to. You have the Varengard, and the Foam Crusher is not slow. Um, but the Varengard is great, as I've said a lot of times. Um, the Varengard's ability to move 10 and then use a double to pop relentless Killers and get um, a, another attack action worth of attacks. So it's basically another act, a free action on a double. Um, makes it a really great mobile threat. The ability to move 10 and still get that many attacks on a target um, is is great. Um, It dies a lot. Um, It has six toughness, but it only has like 32 wounds, which is a lot, but it's not a ton for 285 points. Um, But it gets the job done every time you take it out. You know, if you're careful with it. Uh, even a bit. assassin piece, and I, it goes in, it, it complements Nurgle so well because it's fast and killy, and the rest of Nurgle is slow and tanky. Um, but yeah, I love the list, would play it again with those changes. Um, you could swap around a lot. Lord of Afflictions is great. You could play, have a list that has two former crushers in it. Um, you could do a lot of things, start with six plague bearers and a plague ridden. Fill in the rest of your points, whatever you think you're going to need for the missions you're going to play that day, and you're going to do fine. Until they nerf plague bears, it's a great way to start a list.
0: And we can see also, again, if you're on the YouTube channel, we can see uh, pictures of the warband here. And I want to give shout out to uh, our friend Horace, who, uh, who showed up. Uh, we brought him on, and see he's a... Uh, I think he's a good photographer. He claims he's a guy with a camera, but uh, we had the light box set up, and uh, we used some of his expertise to kind of get some some nicer looking warband photos out of the uh, out of the uh, the light box. And and even then, you know, even with uh, with him there, it was still kind of a learning experience. And it's it's tough to get good looking mod, uh, pictures of uh, of miniatures, especially with like a large group there trying to get everything all focused. But uh, we'll see some more pictures of, uh, of his handiwork here throughout the uh, cast. All right, next up, with the same record, and it was just via, just via tie breaks and strength of schedule, second place, we have, uh, we have Peter.
1: Yeah, duh. so like I mentioned earlier, I tend to bring gets to tournaments. A uh, couple of reasons behind that. One, I, I tend to find that there's a very high learning curve for that particular warband just because it's very gimmicky and tricky to play. So I find it, it really puts me on an edge and kind of, I play at my best with them. Um, but in that, just how Destruction Soup works these days, there's just so many options and ways to play it. Uh, but this is probably one of my favorite ones I've put together so far.
0: Yeah, so we have a few of the, your your typical models you've played uh, in in gets before you have a your bounder boss uh, you have two brew gets uh, you have prog netta and you have one regular Stabba with net normally I think you're playing like one brew get and three netters so you got a little bit different configuration there but then instead of running uh, the, uh, the the uh, bolt boy boss and uh, what was your big hammer a mega boss before yeah. Yep. yeah, instead, you're bringing in, in a crusher from over tribes and an ard boy boss. So I, the crusher we know is quite a quality piece. Uh, yeah, tell me about the crusher and the, and the yeah, tell me about the crusher first, both uh, how it performed for you and also the conversion work you did.
1: Yeah, so it was kind of it was interesting after Adepticon with the Mega Boss because he's he's a phenomenal piece on the board and he's very nicely priced for that two twenty five. the The problem I I kept running into using him is I often felt he wasn't earning back that two hundred and twenty five each game. And whenever he got into combat, he did work. The problem was getting him into combat. So kind of switching over to I didn't want to go gut lord because I didn't want to put that many points into one model uh, Mm -hmm. because I have to back it down to a seven model list. And I wanted to keep it at eight. So the Crusher is is a great pointed model. And it just having that rush ability, adding that three inches to movement on a double, uh, it, it turns him into an absolute. Uh, Crusher, yeah, literally. Uh, so, because he's got suddenly got that eight inch range, for four inch move plus three, get just within an inch for combat, and he's he's away. So he's a lot faster than he looks. Um, and I was very pleased with him, very very pleased. I'll probably bring him into another tournament. Uh, I, I think anyway. Uh, the conversion work I do. A lot of conversion work. Uh, anything I bring for Destruction Soup, I make into Gloom Spike gets. So uh, this one was kind of, if you know, old school fantasy. Uh, Grom the Paunch uh, was a goblin who swallowed uh, some some troll flesh that keeps growing inside of him, so he just turns into this overly obese, large goblin. And uh, I got a model off Etsy, and then uh, kind of took a. Uh, Oh, what is the Snurk Sour Ton? He's a fanatic. So I took a fanatic uh, ball from one of the bits there and turned that into a big old club for him. Um and I was yeah, very pleased with how he turned out. Nothing too crazy on that one, but he he fits right in.
0: Yep. I forgot to mention snerk sour tongue earlier as well. Yep. Can't have a can't have a gits list without him. And I have this correct now, because I was gonna ask why seven models, but no, it turns out it is eight models, and I think I have the points correct now.
1: Yeah, because uh, then the other one, really the MVP of my last, because I played six rounds at Atlantic City and I used the Hard Boy Boss in that as well. And then uh, your guys, five, so, or four, four, yep, four. So last 11 matches I've played, because I, I did one test run before Atlantic City with him, uh, he's been the MVP of the list, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. For. He-
0: and he's the, he's the little, the git on the, on the mushroom with the modeled weapons. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I was trying to think of something the same size as hard boy boss that was still gits. So I kind of came up with the shroom after, uh, it worked so well with my bolt boy boss conversion. So I just kept rolling with it and I, yeah, I love how he turned out. So that was all green stuff for the mushroom. And then, uh. The actual hard boy weapons he's holding there and then i just custom made a loon boss to put on top but uh even though he's moved three that charge ability on the double gets him into combat um and again for 135 points and his profile it just a lot of work four five four five two five at
0: 135 yeah that is a deceptively strong profile
1: yeah. Uh, a big thing with most of my gets list is a lot of a lot of Warcry players, they bring either two threats or three threats. That that's that's a typical way to build a list unless you're going it's something very unique. Um, I've always been a big fan of running a four threat list, and that's why you always see me bringing snurk. Um, because I like being able to I, I always try to outkill my opponent early in game. Uh, that's how I tend to be larger war bands with the out activation is I just remove that ability to do that. Um so this kind of a list is deceptively fast for what's there. Cause you look at it and you're like, ah it's the bounder boss. Okay, that's your fast unit. But then snurk rushes and hits you from eight inches away. Uh Crusher uh pays a double, hits you from eight away.
0: Yep. On the mop path.
1: Yep. Yep and then hard boy boss with that charge ability suddenly he jumps forward 6 and still hits you it's it it's deceptive and that, that's something i enjoy each one of these models has a very important ability um and a lot of people don't like that cuz it's like ah you're just always dice hungry you can't do everything you want on the board i'm a firm believer in i like creating opportunities So you set up the board, and then it's each turn. It's going okay. How can I use the dice I have to be the most efficient with it?
0: Yep, and I think that's come up every time we talked about your lists on the cast without you here too.
1: It's it's a very hard list to play. I I think I think destruction soup. Anything you do, with gets gets that way uh, for once you start hitting that higher ceiling with it. There's just there's a lot to keep track of, but it can be very rewarding. Uh, if you can play it well,
0: is this one maybe a little more forgiving than the Bolt Boy Boss version?
1: Yes, I would. I would say that. Yeah, uh, Bolt Boy, uh, you either love him or you hate him. I tend to find. I, yeah. I, I really enjoy him. The problem is, to be effective, you have to feed him doubles. Um, yep. it, one thing a lot of people don't get is Bolt Boy Boss actually is no slouch in melee. Uh, I've, I've killed off a lot of things in melee with him, especially if you go poison blades. Ah, oh. because a lot of people make the mistake is they close them in combat thinking that's going to shut them down. But if you're oh. reactive with them, suddenly you can remove chaff with them pretty easily.
2: One of the things that made the, um, the lead belcher in 1.0 so good, uh, the thunder fist, was that if you let him stand back and shoot, he would chew you up. But if you closed in with him, he was a better melee fighter than, than most armies had outside of maybe one really elite piece. Um, but I, I like... Uh, one of my big things, the drum I've been pounding for a while now, is get your free actions worth of value out of doubles, and it goes a really long way. And I love on the Maw Path. I love the charge. Like those are really good. Like I mentioned earlier, like relentless killers can create a similar effect. Like when you can get an action worth of game yep. play out of a double, you you can close an, an activation gap really quickly and you can push an activation gap in your favor very hard. Um yeah, love ogres
0: for that. Yep. Bruggetts virtually do that as well, turn a double into three attacks.
1: Sure. And we're close to it. Yeah. And that's the thing with this list, too, is you think about it that you get in a scenario where your 55 point Neta runs up or the lovely 50 point prog uh, runs up and nets some 250 model on their side. Suddenly, one of their main pieces isn't doing anything that round, and you still have four guys running around the board killing everything.
2: I remember our match at Adepticon. All we did for like the first two rounds was kill each other's netters. Like that's all like netters are very, nets are very, very good. Yeah. Um, and to get them on cheap models is a bonus that most war bands would kill for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: There's a lot of shenanigans in that list. Absolutely.
0: And then, uh, so third place, we had local, uh, Joel Hansen with, uh, Seraphon, um, uh, I saw a couple of his games and uh, he was also, well, we'll talk about the, uh, the hobby uh, award as well, but uh, yeah, we, the slant star master I saw uh, was really overperforming Uh the three, four, three, six range profile um, just a, in a big unit. Uh, the scar veteran cold one, and then a, a huge, in uh, a, a big contingent from uh, star blood stalkers as well.
2: So, uh, the one, one of the takeaways of the Starblock Stalkers, it's like the good skinks. Um, so you get like the old school, the old school skinks, um, which of course were good enough to get brutally nerfed in 2.0, but you can still get them if you want them, if you find them here. Um, the, uh, his, his one loss was to me. Uh, so, so we played and, uh, Starmaster lit up your fulmeroid. Yeah, well, he got crit like out of like nine dice he rolled like seven crits. It was insane. But <laughs> with that said, it absolutely did happen and um, I don't think I gave the Starmaster enough credit um, of being able to do that. Also, the game came down to a very uh, final turn the Starmaster Um, used the Lord's Space and Time ability to move a unit to give him line of sight to attack to try to get those last couple of points, Um, which isn't as cool of an ability as it was in 1.0 when it could teleport any unit and you were teleporting around like Annihilator Primes or or whatever, but um, still very useful. Um, the, The only problem I saw with the Star Master is its absolutely enormous size. It, it really i mean it flies but it's not fast and yeah. getting it around the it, board it's to a lines it of sight was tricky it's a large base yes
0: uh, it's always going to be on a large base i think that's a, that's actually lord croak right that, that is a lord used,
2: croak yes
0: they use as a star master but it is the same it is the same base
1: size yeah, yeah. It's absurdly large like the, the old the old model you could see how it fit on a war cry board. I I had concerns looking at it, going like I just wow, what a what a piece.
2: Um sort, and then the other thing to take away about um, Seraphon is of course tearing bite is yep, on the Soros
0: Warriors, yep.
2: Busted.
0: Oh no, we're talking about biting tearing, tearing bite on the bite. Soros
2: Warriors tearing bite and ability so good it got nerfed out of Bloom spike gets but they let seraphon keep it <laughs> it's not right it's not right it's not right it's not fair but it's true and source warriors are can punch way above their weight class if you let them get in with tearing bite um so they are uh, they're not outrageously expensive but you really have to give them a lot of respect on the battlefield as well you cannot let your big heavy hitters get like when they have the dice to spend, you can't let your big heavy hitters in range of them, or they can really pull one down. So yeah, this is a, a, a well-designed list um, that uh, Joel obviously knows very well. He plays Seraphon a lot. So uh, I'm not surprised he did well with it.
0: Yep. He, he was actually two in one going into the final round. He only drew in his final round, which also made the tie breaks a little weird. Uh, but he, he was right behind you guys because going into the final round, you two were both two zero and one. He was in the mix. Yeah, uh, he was in the mix to win it if uh, if both of you guys happened to lose your games. So he was not out of it.
2: No, the the what messed with the pairings there is that he was there in points, but I had already beaten him, so we couldn't be rematched. Yep, and yep. that paired him down. It, it was just, it's one of those weird tournament artifacts. But. yeah, we
0: had we had we had six players. We played four rounds, and so it wasn't a complete round robin. And so as it turned out, Fred won up playing Joel. Peter, you won up playing, I think the the Soul Black Gravelords player. And that wound up being like the major changing opponents, which gave Fred the edge in the tie breaks,
2: yeah yeah. but uh, it was a good list. Our game was very, very tight that we played. Uh, I remember in our game, my game against Joel. It was Reaper and I was in a hole early because my my uh Fumaroid died in the first round, but then the Varenguard got to move right up the middle of the board and just just right into those chaff models and just start killing. Um, which it does, you know, obviously very, And I just hid my my plague bears for the rest of the game, let the Varenguard get me points. But, um, yeah, very, very tight game. Came down to the very last activation on the last turn. Um, good list. Yeah, very well thought out. Solid list. Sure I love Seraphon. I, I, I have a bunch of Seraphon models. I've never put them go heather, together coherently, but I think the faction is potentially very good. Um, and it, there's a lot of bad units in it, but there's also several very good ones. Um, it makes list building an interesting puzzle to me. Uh, I've
0: been I've been snatching up Starblood stalkers everywhere I've seen it now.
2: Yeah, get those skinks, man.
1: I really want to build a Seraphon list, but with the new all the new models out, I just keep going like, ah, when when's the revamp happening? How much how much effort do I want to put into this? I don't know.
2: Yeah, because I had a 1.0 skink spam list, and that got absolutely nerfed into oblivion, oh, uh, yeah. completely unplayable. So I was like, okay, now the new meta for them is like Saurus Warriors. So I got some of those. And then the Huanchi's uh, Hunters came out, which we don't see them here. But like, that's a way you can go. Like the Huanchi's the Claws or whatever those units are called are really, really good. Uh, their reaction is insane. Like you could build that kind of Seraphon list. You can build a Terran Bite list. You know, they're, they're a relatively deep faction these days
0: and also yeah if you i mean outside the starblood stalkers if you want to get into it cheap as well if you if you want to get old sculpt Soros warriors you look on eBay or you look locally you can get them cheap because I know a I'll, place because it,
2: the place we played this tournament had 900 old Soros warriors used for sale. I was
0: I was I was tempted I still might it's all about getting that 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 cheap good value on gw plastic Yep. So a few more pictures here. Uh, so Joel actually wound up taking home a decent amount of uh, prize money as well because uh, his, we, you know, in part due to the the centerpiece, he got the uh, the best painted award. I think he had uh, like five first place votes. Yeah, he deserved. Uh, f- yeah, four or five first place vo- votes out of the uh, the group.
1: Yeah, well, well deserved because his his paint scheme. I think I told him like three times throughout the tournament, <laughs> like I couldn't stop looking at those models. They were they are yep. great.
0: Big centerpiece, awesome basing there,
2: and and even like the the smaller models still were very well painted as well. It wasn't all just in the centerpiece; it was just good execution of like the color scheme and the plan across the the whole warband. It looked really nice. It's very vibrant, very colorful, very well yep. done.
0: Yeah, the Scar Veteran—that's that's a new model as well. He used one of the new one of the new one of the new sculpts there, and that one looks great too.
2: Yeah, those new sculpts are all great. The new Croxigores look awesome. I'd love to get updated Croxigore rules to make them good in work, right? Because the models are great.
0: A uh, few other pictures from our other competitors. Uh, we, uh, these these guys, all three of these guys were, were new. First uh, time they, they played an event with us. So, uh, you know, happy to have, you know, Adam Bryce, Hayden Proctor, and, and Todd Gentle uh, join us. And we got pictures of their warbands as well,
2: showing those off. Um, that KO list was, was, was solid. I played against it. I know Peter did as well. Um, very (laughs) killy. Um, if, if you let yourself get blind to sight, they very, very killy. Um, and, uh, the Blight King list is really interesting.
0: Yep. Well, Um, you you had the Fly Lord.
2: Uh, he did not. That's a Puscoil Blight Lord. That is not a Oh, okay um but i mean the same basic idea right it's just not the 330 oh, point oh that's right yeah unit. um but it pulls its weight that's for sure yes yes that even in 1.0 when when nurgle was mortals were completely bottom tier their flying units always were like almost good enough to make you want to play them and now in 2.0 they're they're pretty good
1: yeah, so. it was interesting the KO list. Uh, Todd, he was he was a very good player. You could tell he he knew the War Band very well, uh, and that I played him in Reaper, and it was a lot closer because I went and took out his Ether Cannon round one with my Crusher, and just got right in there. And I I thought right after the first round, I'm like ah, I'm going to clean this up pretty quick, and it turned into an all out brawl for the rest of the game. And actually, it was a very close match. Uh, uh, to be honest, I thought every one of the lists that came to the tournament were just very well thought out there oh, was yeah, the S-
2: the sbgl list was uh graveguard centered like it was no one came with just yeah. like
1: they were strong it, very strong lists
2: you don't want to say like with misbuilt lists, but we're talking about a competitive event, right? So like there are lists that are like objectively on paper more powerful than others in a tournament in a competitive setting and people brought good models and good mm-hmm. lists uh to this mm-hmm. event um you know graveguard uh Arknott privateers like these are a tier units in the game so there were no real easy matches in the whole room mm-hmm. um and the blight king list which even after the the 2.0 a uh, buff that all the move three units got, like Blight Kings, are the ones that like people will say like, oh, except for Blight Kings, like oh yeah, every move three model in the game is busted except for Blight Kings. But Blight Kings are not bad. Um, the problem is building a list of them is tricky because they have stuff with that stormcast problem. Like your yeah. units are all 110 points, so it's like y- you you try to do anything. You know, clever with the list building and your points get immediately impossible. But they're hard to shift, a Blake King is when it gets where it wants to be. And it lets your flyer go around and do a lot of damage. So, a well thought out list um, and, and a well designed list. Nicely painted, too. Just nice and gross and nergally. Yep.
0: Yep. You're always going to be a contender in the painting contour, in the painting category, if you're playing uh, Nurgle, it seems like.
2: People love Papa.
0: All right. So next up here, the next segment, we're gonna have we're gonna talk about the battle report. Uh, so this was in round three. Both of you guys were two and zero going into this match, playing on loot and pillage, and winner of this game would be in the driver's seat when it comes to uh, ultimately winning the uh, winning the event.
2: Yeah. If either of us had won this outright, um, I think that. It would be difficult for them not to win the event at that point. Yeah, uh, based
0: on yeah, based solely on tie breaks. Yes. Yeah,
2: that's not how it worked out. But but that was both of what we were thinking going into this round. Um, um obviously, you know, we hadn't played each other since since Gen Con, so it was it was cool to have uh, a rematch. And uh, loot and pillage is an interesting mission.
0: I know you, so you started your hammer, you had the FOMO in you, your hammer, right? I believe so. You started on the board. Uh, what was the big, the big killer unit you had in your hammer that you started, Peter?
1: Well, for me, I, I always put uh, the Bounder boss, snirk and a brew get together because I just really okay. like there. so that's, that's what I started with. Yeah, that's a heavy Snerc. duty
2: deployment group right there. It can solve a lot of problems.
1: Yep. Yep. And
0: it turns, yeah. And it turns out they didn't actually, the one up not being a fight in the center. We'll kind of talk about this here. So, uh, so round one, so round one uh, usually is just positioning. And uh, this was no, uh, this is really no exception. Uh, you know, a, a shot I t- got. So the homeroid went towards the center. Uh, the Plague bears started moving in towards the center as well. Uh, I, I, but there wasn't a big scrum in the middle, I believe. Peter, you were kind of diverting your guys over to the far right corner off off uh, out
1: of view of the picture, right? Well, so what ended up happening is I popped a madcap destruction on my bounder boss. So what I did was I used madcap destruction to throw me on top of that center objective, because you have to use an action to grab a treasure.
2: Oh, so, okay.
0: So you, okay. Mm -hmm. okay that helps yeah i wasn't i was trying to take notes but i was still doing things normally if i'm doing a battle report i'll actually like it it would have drastically slowed the pace of your guys's game if i was taking complete notes okay so founder boss coming from off screen gets the treasure and then is and then is scooting out of there
1: yeah because i knew with a foam right in the center as soon as he's gonna get on top of that you're not you're not shifting that unless you remove it so, and you have to use an action to grab the treasure. So I had to create an extra action to be able yep. to get from him. So that's that's ended up what I did uh, at the beginning of the game with the Bounder boss.
0: Yeah, good action economy. And then the Fulmeroid went into the center, but he did not pick up a treasure, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct.
2: It's correct. Um, so, so real early in this game, and I, I guess we'll get to this, but there was a really heavy duty decision point with the Fomaroid. And having him in the center of the board, you know, the the general idea is push hard to shift units into the center of the board, and let them control some space, Uh, especially since, like we were saying, it does take an action to pick up treasure, which means without a bonus action, you can move, pick up a treasure, and then the Fomaroid can kill you um, and take your treasure. Because once the treasure's on the ground, it does not require an action to pick up. Uh, you just have to move over it. So um, I thought there was some good value of having him sort of threaten that position. Uh, Madcap Destruction kind of blew that plan up a little bit, because once the unit got away from me, then you're dealing with the fact that if you move him, the, the fumeroid up into the teeth of a Bruget, now you're in danger of getting him shredded down um, from there. Yeah, so, and,
0: and not looting. I see what you mean by not looting because, again, you, you only have eight actions in the game with your Fomalroid Crusher. You'd prefer to not spend one of them looting and giving him a treasure.
2: And also, but if just, he's carrying a treasure, I'm less likely to want to move him into heavy combat where he could lose it late in the game. I'd much rather have my Plague Bearers take treasure and hide with it Mm-hmm. And let my FOMO Crusher, my Varen Guard, just, if they have to, like, just run in and, and try to assassinate treasure killers, and they can die at that point.
0: Plus, the, the FOMO threat sitting in the center kind of denied the center for Peter the rest of the way, so the, a plague bear would eventually be able to walk up and eventually grab the, the remaining treasure in the center.
1: Yeah, it it kind of I turned the strategy became very quickly as soon as I saw the foamroid going towards center was I had to snatch a treasure and then get in that corner to create a kill box. Because that was going to be I I could then control three of the treasures and try to minimize and kill off everything on that side of the board.
0: Yeah, we'll see an overhead. And yeah, and that is where most of the most of the big fighting was taking place. So round two, we get the reinforcements on the board. This is in the far corner, not in the kill box corner.
2: Right, right. This yep. is the, the opposite diagonal corner yep. from that So action. you have the
0: Ardboy, Ardboy boss charging into combat, going after Sloppity Bile Piper, but only dealing 13. Brewget grabs a treasure, but then Sloppity manages to crit the Brugit for 16. And then, so Bruget is actually drops the treasure. So now this here- is go ahead
2: either i nor peter at the moment were were thinking about the fact that the treasure could be grabbed by moving over it because we both talked about it like we had to spend an action to pick it up and that mm-hmm. becomes fairly important because it actually allows a, a, the treasure to get moved away from my slow moving units here um that I wouldn't say we we misplayed around it but as we were evaluating the situation both of us were thinking about you how to best use an action to pick that treasure up. Correct.
0: Yeah, I think yeah yeah I think around 3 where it came up I think I mentioned the fact that yes once the treasure has been dug up from the ground it no longer it's acts as a normal treasure there's no action required to to pick it up. It's essentially if it's sitting in the ground you got to burn an action
2: to dig it up. Yep. So that ends up mattering a lot um, here, um, but um, that and then, ends up being the majority of the of the meaningful fighting that happens in this corner of the board. Yeah, um, and then
0: um, Sloppity dealing 16 on the Bruget is kind of uh, a little abnormal as well, but sometimes you get spiked, I guess. Yeah. Absurd-
2: absurd i say
0: yeah it was <laughs> not
2: the ev you you get out of a sloppity versus a bruget the majority of the time but um
0: although, although to be fair the plague bears what they're three three one four yeah, yeah but we've seen plague bears you don't expect much of plague bears or someone wades into a, a, a massive plague bears and then plague bears just smash him down sometimes three three
2: one four surprisingly killy, especially on 50 points
0: all right, so over here, though, over here, so we get the Varengar that comes on the board. Uh, Fred came, Fred's deployment point was on the center here, I believe, uh, center of this edge. Varengar comes on, Relentless Killers, goes after the Bounder boss, only dealing six damage. Uh, the Plague bears, we're gonna see in the next shot, they, they move to block in Peter's Crusher, Grom the Paunch,
2: which was a one great One of the best things plague bearers do in the game, and really any good chaff model does in the game, is put up these sort of screens where you can kind of like set up these picks, right? Where it's like you can spread out enough that like the units can't effectively move through your screen, but they also can't engage your entire screen in one time. So it's a way to get your big units to burn actions. And and it's a a strategy that if you have good chaff models and you're trying to get territory control, you can set up these kind of long picket lines. And that's what I'm trying to do here.
1: Yeah, it was good body blocking
2: on your part, Fred. And then what happened is Snurk did what Snurk does. Um,
0: So you managed to get... Two brugget activations on him. It looks like,
2: well, and this is an under. You, I've, I've played against brewgets before, and this is a line that that I haven't seen people do very often. But it's absolutely something you really should be thinking about when you can set up brugget bombs. Is is what Peter did here, which is the loonshine potion. Wait, loonshine potion out of one double double action out of one brew get um, because what do you else need the Bruget actions for? He's gonna go up there and fight. Like, no, his his job is to Loonshine potion. Um, and it was pretty effective.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it definitely definitely did the job. It unfortunately it, Snert pulled his weight, but then the uh, Bounder boss with eight dice uh, dropped the ball hard because that Varen should have should have died.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So snirk, again,
2: yeah. twenty-four up, having the Varenguard with one HP comes ends up coming up big. You don't want to leave a unit like a Varenguard sitting there with HP at the end of the round, right? Like so, that ended up being very important for me. Um, the um, I knew moving up there that Snurk. Was going to kill my vanguard, like with with the bruget over there. The goal was for the vanguard to do a lot more damage to the bounder boss than he ended up doing, because the mobility on this type of mission I was worried about. The bounder boss can do a decent amount of damage, and he's fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're trying to get treasures and, and stuff. Like you don't want the bounder boss having the game breaking treasure in his hands and just jumping all over the board.
0: Yep. And here you can see the. The proximity of the Varenguard and the Bounder Boss here, because they're stuck in both with one inch range, and I think this is Snurk right here. Snurk so is
2: three inch range. Yeah, so
0: he's pretty safe. So even though he's a glass cannon in this particular situation, with the Varenguard locked up with the Bounder Boss, it's actually a pretty. You know, I mean, you're loading up Snurk like this. This is this is a play that could be broken up, but in this case, Snurk's
2: pretty safe. Well. Uh- you have to place if you're going to play Snurk. You can't make mistakes with Snurk. No. If you make a mistake with Snurk, you're throwing 130 points right into the trash. Um, you have to play so tight with Snurk, and this is an example of how you can effectively get the most value out of Snurk and not just have him die immediately. This is, you know, this deployment right over here. Yeah. And I, I, if I know, go ahead.
1: I was just saying too, and it didn't apply to this particular match, but something just to kind of keep in mind too. The reason uh, Brugit is always in that, because he can either Loonshine Potion the Bounder Boss or Snurk, right? But his other role is to play uh, intercept for Snurk. I can't tell you how many games where he ended up just charging blindly into something just to allow Snurk the opportunity to strike. So I. It, part of playing with Snurk is being able to protect him and if you can he's he's going to earn you way more than that 130 points
2: mm-hmm. yeah like in this case yeah. yeah i want you to keep in mind here that the Varenguard mm-hmm. has six toughness all right like it's a hard target and Snurk just casually 24 him
0: yep and if my notes are correct so 24 plus 5 that puts the Varenguard with one hit point remaining
2: I believe that's correct. Yep. yep. Yeah.
1: Because I think what it was because Varenkard's thirty thirty wounds or thirty. It was thirty. I think wounds.
0: it's. I thought it was thirty even.
2: Yeah, that, that yep. sounds right. I'm not looking at it, but it, the point is this: the Varenkard could have very easily and should have died there, but did not with very few HP left. Yep. So this is a real pivotal point in the game. Peter and I talked about it a lot. Um, Obviously, he's ahead right now. The Fulmeroid is completely a wild card right now. has no wounds on it, and it is capable of of, of kind of turning the tide of a fight by showing up. He's in the middle of the board. There is a very small battle going on in one corner, and there is a big battle going on in the other.
0: Yep, here's the small battle here with the with the Ardboy boss probably being the biggest fighter here. And we have yeah. Sloppity and a couple chaff models. Here's the big fight here uh, up here. Here is the, the FOMO with two turns, just simply just moving into this corner here. Here we got the Varenguard, the Bounder Boss, Snurk, and, and then the rest of the packages all kind of around here. Netter, Groogit. Uh, so, and then also the Crusher. The Crusher's chewing through the chaff, but it hasn't gotten to the vanguard yet.
2: So the, the Crusher started this round in the middle of the board. And I could do one of two things here. I could move him to come over and kill the Ardboy boss. Because I like my odds there, right? And mop up that corner. At which point I would have access to half the treasures on the map and have a pretty good chance of holding in the final round half the treasures in the game. I could reasonably expect to hold them and protect them, which would be playing for the draw. Mm -hmm. Or the Fomaroid could move into the big battle, we could steer into the skid and attempt to play for the win, which is more of a long shot because the positioning is not in my favor over here, right? Um, it's moving him up into Snark plus Bruget, where Peter is already sort of established and set up, deployed how he wants his deployment group or his his battle to look. So it's it's a more dangerous line for the FOMO, but it does give me the option of playing for the wind if I can clear some of these models out. Yeah, and that's and you've decided to do. Yeah,
0: and you, yeah, and you have a wounded Varen guard and like a fresh in a, 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 a fresh crusher too.
2: Yes. The Crusher is very dangerous. Um, the FOMO can kill the Crusher, but the FOMO can't is not a slam dunk against the Crusher, especially if the Crusher gets to attack first and especially with the Brugate on the battlefield. So, you know, there's there's some real risk going on over here.
0: Yep, and so this this so this after two turns out right and we had some wounded units. This is a pivotal. This is a pivotal initiative role. So, a lot of times you don't care about who gets initiative, or but sometimes you got to fight for it. And so, the, here we actually did have a fight for initiative roll off. So, uh, there, there was some jockeying of wild dice there.
2: Uh, for so, the people at home, this is exactly how our final round went in Gen Con. Yep. It came down to initiative. It was a hotly contested initiative into the final round, and I won it, and I very narrowly won the game. This If Peter had won initiative in this round, he very easily wins this game. Um, But he did not. Yep.
1: Yeah, it was one of those situations. And this also followed up with probably my biggest mistake in the game, which was when you won initiative and went with the Varen really all I had to do with that Bounder boss was counter. Yes. And I didn't counter the first action.
0: Yep, there's Varengard. Yep, because I was watching this. So, Varengard pops Relentless Killers, gets six attacks versus the Bounder Boss, killing the Bounder Boss, dropping the treasure back behind him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, at one hit point, right? The one, Any one hit point model is just a massive liability. And, and uh, yeah, so we, just like you said, a, a counter, right, takes them both off the board. And, and changes it. But now as we see as as the turn played out, there was more the varengard was was still had to burn an action on somebody. Or so, so someone someone had to burn an action to, right. to finally take out the Varenguard.
2: And so something to keep in mind here also, um, Relentless Killers is only better than onslaught if you have a six. Um it gives you plus one attack over onslaught double attack. Um so we happen to have that here, and gives you the big burst damage. Also, it gives you a chance to use your second action elsewhere. Um, so it's a great tool whether you're in stuck in combat or moving and attacking. It's just really versatile. So the big thing here is the Bounderboss drops the treasure. That's the big takeaway right now. And then Prague misses his net on the phone roll
0: Yeah, here's Pro- here's Prague, right here. And it's a three plus net.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a, a – my, my dice did not favor me. They,
2: they betrayed you very aggressively in this round, yes.
1: Yeah, because yeah, the idea was lock the foamroid down, and then uh, most of the guys that carried treasure could just run away, and that just left the Crusher to intercept with your foamroid for the rest of the game. But that is not how it played out, so I kind of had to divert with Prague, which ended up creating what we talk about, the outlet for the foamroid to finally grab something.
0: So now that I'm now that I'm seeing how this turn played out, did you have the ability for Prague to attempt to net on the Fomoroid, and have an action left to try to take out the one hit point Varengard?
1: Well, if I remember correctly, uh, didn't my Bounder, I I didn't do anything the first action. He did the damage. My Bounder was almost dead, so I right. count. They both you countered
0: were... on. Yeah, you countered on this. The second. No, no you. you. What? I believe you countered on this. No, yes. both attacks. I countered on the second.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I countered the second, I believe, if I remember correctly. But it,
0: it wasn't not because it wasn't a mutual kill.
2: I thought it was a mutual kill.
0: Yeah. No, not because, that. No, no, because my notes say here that the Crusher had to chew through and eventually took out the Varengard later in the turn by using Might Makes Right after killing the Plague Bearer.
2: Okay, maybe that's true then. Yeah maybe, yeah, maybe.
0: Because I'm watching this, right? And I mentioned to you guys, after that, after the entire attack sequence, I'm surprised, you know, I mentioned to Peter, I'm surprised you didn't use counter there.
1: Mm-hmm. I wouldn't
0: have, I would not have said that prior to your first
2: attack or your second attack this is true yeah
1: yeah Yeah. fair point
2: so so what you can see here is is the idea here is the plague bearer is hoping to suck up an action from crusher over there yep so the plague Um,
0: bear right so this plague bear right gets locks him up and so now the crusher has to chew through
2: the plague bear
0: pops might makes right
2: also a really good ability um a lot of units a lot of actions have access to it ogres use it really well because it's on so many big heavy hitters that are likely to one-shot models it was obviously the core of the uh, thunderfist list in 1.0 because they could might make right shooting attacks and just machine gun down these chaff models back when everybody was playing eight wound chaff models um but it comes up really big here obviously getting free actions is, is really good um so what we have here is there's there's a treasure right that treasure that you see on that is a really important piece of treasure um it would be my third treasure taking away peter's fourth treasure i believe yep yeah because it's currently four two
0: so or now three two with one with one contested.
1: yeah so Prague attempted to throw the net, failed, so he then stepped up to body block the Okay, from... that
0: was Okay, that was his point. Yeah, he was not in range.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, he had to move up to... Yeah.
1: After failing the net, he did the only thing he could still do. <laughs> yes. Throw his body and...
2: Sacrifice his body.
1: Yes. Yeah. Which, surprisingly, which was the other funny part of it, is because he survived that round. Yeah. Which... Yep, he did yeah who who can Prague went up against a foamroid and survived around? Uh, just yeah that data. That,
2: uh, I love that guy. He's a good dude. So yeah, here's you can see
0: what's what's going on. Yeah, I uh-huh. can't read I can't you're you using dice Peter, and that's the damage on Prague. I can't read it, but yes, yeah he obviously he obviously took at least one hit and
1: uh, survived. Yeah, I think he was down to one or two health. it was it wasn't much. So, so the aerial yep. shot,
2: you can see the Varenguard's gone. I don't have a ton of models left, but the the treasure I have is is very safe where I have it. I think it's this plague there's a plague bearer hiding underneath this bridge here. Yeah, and I think the other one down there underneath the tree is my other treasure carrier right now. Um just not doing much this game except holding treasure and and creating screens, which is great. They're fifty points. Like let's let's use them for that. So and the Fulmeroid is in a lot of danger, potentially.
0: Yep. So uh, so round four here. It uh, looks like Fred
2: wins initiative again. I Fom- am spectacularly good at winning initiative. <laughs>
1: um, if I learned anything from playing against Fred, it's don't roll off on initiative against him. It's not worth the dice. No, no.
0: The Farmeroid so, takes out Prague, and then he fine. rushes grabs the treasure and then runs away from the fight. So I'm, I'm assuming you're afraid of the crusher at this
2: point. Uh, and at this point, round four, looking at the material left on the board, the crusher, um, etc, at this point I am playing for the tie. Um, my odds of, of using the fulmeroid to get another to pop another treasure loose and survive are very, very low. So at this point I'm like, I can probably squeak out of this with a tie if the Fomeroid runs. So and, and
0: this was uh, let's see here.
2: If it wasn't for that crusher, there, there would be yep. different
0: and I was keep I'm keeping track of the of the of the treasure score here. And so this is showing Peter two, Fred three with one unclaimed. I believe when you, you killed Prague, you got a treasure off of was Prague carrying a treasure as so well? That's the
2: founder boss treasure that has not been picked up yet.
0: Okay. But there's still one more unclaimed one after you grabbed yeah, this that, one.
1: Yeah, and that was uh, that was Prague, I believe. Okay.
0: Yep. So Prague had one, Prague had a treasure, and then you still had this the bonder boss's treasure, which no one had time mm-hmm. to go grab yet. Right, correct.
2: So I can't get that one, right? Because uh, I
0: you only carry one.
2: Right.
0: And you only have one model left in that area of the board. So, and we got some goblin getting countered off somewhere else.
1: Yeah, well, you had the other, uh, the little the little match in the corner still happening at the it time.
2: Was still There was still some fighting going on over there. Because
1: the hard boy boss had worked through the bile piper and had killed off another plague bearer at that point. And then, uh, Fred, you were able to kill the netta. That was, a what was it? The netta or the netta grabbed the last time? It had,
0: yep, yeah, it had to be, yep, yeah, it had to be the
1: netta because and nothing that's else when that
2: came up where you, you didn't have to use an action, so you could, you moved up, took the treasure, and moved out. but plague bearers couldn't catch him at that point. Uh-huh. Where if, as I was thinking about it, if he would have taken an action to pick it up, he would have been stuck there, and the plague bearers could have put surrounded him a little bit and kept that treasure local. Um, but that was again, just me not thinking correctly and that's the way it goes yeah
1: and a little bit of a toss-up too because that that hard boy boss was just blending everything yes he was
2: yep it really was and so
0: we have some treasures drop in here but at the very end you're getting a little low on model count for available models to grab treasures fred is uh peter has the models left to pick up the treasures sitting on the ground fortunately however he is a little bit out of distance to try to make a run at trying to get a treasure back from Fred. Uh, although there was, but there was one shot at it though. So this is uh, last probably one of the last activations of the game. So he had a rampage, Crusher rampages, an attempt to get to the Fulmeroid, who put some distance between himself and the rest of the, the rest of the gets Took about 11 points it looks like, but not enough to go down. So the end result of the battle, a hard-fought 3-3 draw.
2: Very tight. Could have changed at several points. Either of the last two rounds of initiative had gone differently. Yeah.
0: Uh, Net results, et cetera.
1: Yeah, it was a tight game for the whole match.
2: It was indeed. Last time I had, we played, I had my incredibly broken list to lean on. (laughs) I got nerfed into the ground, so I had to play fair (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't miss 1.0 spiders.
2: No. if if I could play them and nobody else could, I would love them. But you know, no one else took them to GenCon. I expected a bunch of people to take them, but yeah, um, I, was,
1: I was looking for a solid rematch here, and that's uh, it's exactly what I got. So yes, it, it was a tight one. Yeah, it was it was a solid game. Uh, yeah, I was I was kind of happy to find enough with the draw because it it could have gone a couple of different ways throughout the match. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So, any other takeaways from this? Uh, we, we had yeah. talked a little bit about the scoring, and uh, I talked about it on on tabletop beyond with with uh, Justin as well. How you know we had there was a number. This was a creepy close game, ended in a draw. There was a couple other pretty close games that ended in, uh, but the way that they ended, it winds up being a twenty zero, twenty nothing, or maybe a fifteen five, which definitely uh kind of obscures the fact it was a very very tight tight match in a very close game that could have gone either way
2: i don't think that's a problem i think that if you want more points at the end of a match you should win your matches um and the the final score will reflect the person that wins matches like i think winning is important in a, a competitive event and we should reward the person that wins the match um if I wanted to be an uncontested first place going into the final round, I should have won my match that I drew. And I didn't, you know. I mean, like, most games, yeah. competitive games, don't even have a major, minor way for the loser to get anything back. They just, you get two points for winning or no points for losing and a point for drawing, and that's all you get. Yes, yeah. so Justin's there a is- of chatter about it, but I don't think it's a problem. I think Warcry's scoring system is fine. Yeah, Justin's Your system is yeah.
0: Justin's system is trying to do something like Kill Team does, where it kind of gets ref, you know where it kind of gets you know you have a little more granularity there. Uh, I I would kind of like that as well. But you also brought up a good counterpoint to where like once you once you know you have the game in hand, you sort of protect that lead and don't necessarily like. Grind a new player into the dirt as hard as you possibly could, right? You, 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 you're, you're capable of table
2: standings. I would play harder till the very last activation, and I would win by wider margins in the games that I won. Um, it's not relevant. I think you're going to create if you try to do that. You're going to create more feel bads for the loser than you will fixing. By the, yeah. you'll have less close games there'll be more incentive for the winner to get to maximize th- their score. Yeah. Table or whatever. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I'm, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, until I see a, a really good system that kind of incorporates, you know, that scoring system. Uh, yeah. I'll probably keep doing it the way I'm doing it.
1: Uh, I'll be really curious to see how Nova goes this year. Cause I'm kind of, it's something I kind of enjoyed about Atlantic city. Everybody grumbles about Rumble pack as a whole, and I agree with a lot of the points, but at the same time, it was really fun to go to a tournament and play All six Rumble Pack. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be kind of exciting at Nova entering a very different type of a tournament. Um, and we'll we'll see what the takeaways are from that, but uh, I'm always open to new ways of approaching the game. It's, it, it's funny because that was my second biggest mistake in this tournament. Uh, was my very first match. For some reason, I got in my head that it was more than half my warband being taken down was the difference between a major and a Oh, model. yeah.
0: Yeah, and and one's a, yeah half of do it.
1: Yeah, and I had the ability to have that not happen, but I wasn't worried about losing that one extra model because I thought it was more than half. So that ended up biting me for the rest of the tournament and yep. was my minor win versus a major.
0: Yeah, because you both, you guys were three zero one one, and then also had the same number of points. Yeah, after totaling up majors and minors.
1: Yeah, and I paid for it the rest of the tournament because it was an easy fix, and it was just a simple thought of one model difference. And that I don't know that's that kind of bothers me the major minor what it's based on, and that's I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see how Nova goes.
2: Like so, so to my point earlier, it's like we're talking like, oh these games are so close, let's put more agency in the players hands to get more granularity in the score. Well the, the agency's there, right? Like Peter is saying, like if he had thought had that thought, he could have played the end of the game in a way that gave him that agency and it would have affected his standings. Like the game has systems in place. Like like I'm saying, if you want to win a tournament, like win your matches. And the rest will shake out. Right. Like, I I don't know. I don't know how much more control you need over that than like win your games and then see who has the most wins. Yeah, true. And
0: you do have some agency in getting up the major, getting the major versus the minor sometimes, or if you've lost Uh, the game. Right. You still have a secondary goal, which is, you know, cost your opponent as dearly as you can.
2: Sure. I mean, I, I. so personally, I think that's fine. I mean, are there other ways to approach it? Sure. And if there's a better way, I play it. I don't have a problem with it, but I think there's been a lot of talk about it. Like the system is fundamentally broken and that I don't agree with. I think that like.
0: Well, BCP's implementation of it wasn't perfect either. It was doing some buggy stuff. I had to kind of work around as well, but yeah. I'm saying, you know, small enough term and I was able to kind of do tie breaks by hand and verify
1: and uh playing devil's advocate too though when you think about it uh talk about kind of feel bads and overscoring but uh, when a guy has an ability to score some extra points that might affect how low he is if he's losing his games versus just getting a zero uh, i don't know i feel like there's there's a couple different ways you can approach that
2: yeah i, I think so i guess i come from a competitive magic background and in magic like nobody asks how your games went right it's like do you get did you win the match or did you lose the yeah. match did you get two points or did you get zero points and that has seemed to work fine for, for the 30-year history competitive history of the game and like coming into into war gaming people are like well i want to put a sportsmanship score on it and it's like that is strange to me like I, I, oh I,
1: yeah yeah from
2: a from a pure competitive standpoint it's like who won the match and who did not win the match. That's true. Yeah. You. you well, yeah. How bad does the loser feel? It's like, well, I don't know. You get the same number. <laughs> yeah. You
0: get the same number of points. If you win on, if you win by the skin of your teeth at one life versus just dominating your opponent in two turns. Winning on
2: turn one, they never turn a game action. Right. Like, yeah. and no one comes by and is like, so how many cards were left in your deck? Let's determine points. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I think it works yeah. fine, but, um,
1: following along that lines too that's something to think about because something i really appreciate about war cry is the community
2: i was going to say that as one of my takeaways everybody that i've ever played has been awesome
1: it's -hmm. very very healthy there's i I could count on one hand bad experiences i've had with the game and i've played a lot at this point and it's 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 a great community and yeah you got (laughs) About that, because you want you want that friendly
2: environment to stay. I there. agree with that one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, I so, got I I got a story I'll tell. So it's not it's not directly related to War Cry. So I'm hanging out with we got a a, a German uh, a German DoD civilian essentially kind of working with us, and he's telling us a story and he, we're talking about games and stuff. And he's like, Yeah, hey, I saw this. You know, there's this war game, and people play. And they always get in a fist fight afterwards. Getting get in a real fight afterwards. And I'm like, is it Warhammer? And he said, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yep, sounds like, sounds like most Warhammer to me.
2: <laughs> yep. I, I would not at this point in my life, and I'm 41 years old at this point, right? I would not have a lot of enthusiasm about packing up all my stuff and going and spending all day playing 40K. Um, and a lot of that is community-related. I've 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 run into a lot of negative experiences playing competitive 40K. Warcry has been uh, night and day in terms of... And even better than, like, I've had mostly great experiences playing Magic competitively, and Warcry is significantly better community than that. So, yeah, if, if you come up with a system that, that preserves that community better, I'll play it. That's fine. I don't have a problem with it.
0: Well, those are some surprisingly wholesome takeaways. I'm glad.
2: Yeah, uh, I've, I've literally never had a bad tournament experience in Warcry. I was just thinking about that. Like, huh, I can't name one. So,
0: Speaking of, uh, speaking of positive Warcry experiences, upcoming events. So I'm currently recording this from, uh, from my, my hometown of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, this is part of the, my Dayton Warcry Club road show. So I drove uh, I drove up visiting my family. Uh, as of the time of recording, tomorrow I'm going to St. Paul to play a narrative event. And also on the way back, uh, I'm hoping to go to uh, Madison and meet up with some of the dogs of Warcry folks and play some pickup games as well.
1: They're, they're a great group. What a great group.
0: Yeah, they are. So this narrative event is interesting. Uh, uh, it's actually Avery. Um, he's one of the, uh, the one of the locals there in the Minneapolis St. Paul area. He's running this event. And so it's narrative. But with so the twist here, it's not a whole lot of narrative added on. But there is some growth involved. Uh, you Round one, uh, warband construction. You can only have one hero, uh, one thrall, a thousand points. And then you grow 50 points each round, and then you also your your cap on your heroes and thralls goes up as well. Uh, he's going to have some he's going to have some generic thralls available. If you just have a thousand point list, you can just kind of add those to your list as well. Uh, by the time you guys are seeing by the time you guys are uh, seeing or, or watching this, uh, the event will have passed. But uh, next the uh, the next uh, episode, I'll probably be talking about this. If I do well, if I get smashed, we will never hear about it again. But yeah, <laughs> but, uh, that's what the flesh eater courts are for. So I have several options to play. It's uh, for flesh eater courts. Uh, I've got a couple of different configurations that kind of get around Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith did have a, a semi, a fairly low model count, uh, so I'm not going to play his list in round one. I'm going to just do a little bit different configuration, which gives me more model count. But then rounds two and three. I'm gonna be basing something off of his list, and just use the additional points to just plus up the model count. Play, you know, you're, have have eight or nine ghouls or
2: death thralls are good too. They're
0: they're, they're gen- yeah, they're generic thralls that are that are that they're using. Uh, I'm not, I don't know if you can use the thralls from the book. Okay. You might be able to, but I think you might be using his thralls.
2: And, I, and I can't remember. It. Bats, I like for SPGL, because the your rank and file are slow, and, and bats give you some speed. Um, you don't really need them as much in FEC, where everything either moves five or flies.
0: Yeah, and I actually, I didn't ask, uh, and I probably don't have a configuration where I'd use them anyway, but I just realized, uh, before I left, I, I magnetized them and added them to the collection. You didn't see it before, but Duke's Harriers. Yeah. Uh, I... have I have a, I have Duke's Harrier, so I, I threw that in there as well. So I have that added to the, the collection of flesh eater available to me.
1: Cool. That in that, that war band, very, very nice piece.
0: Yeah, I don't have the, I don't think I have any of the twenty points to spare in any of those configurations though. It's all going to be chosen of the King, it up and, uh, and, and uh, whatever the Vargulf Berserker
2: Rage is. Yeah. yeah
1: I- I- You'll do just fine. With that I think. <laughs> yes, Chosen of the
2: King is is so nutty. Anyway, I could talk about FEC for a long time, but we're in the wrap up phase here. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Next local events. Uh, I was targeting July thirtieth at Epic Loot. Uh, however, it looks like there's a conflict, and I haven't gotten I haven't gotten any other word back from them on an alternate date. So, in the interest of making sure I get something on the books, and I'll start advertising this in the local discords. I wanna do something that weekend. So July 29th at Mavericks. Are you gonna be free? Me? Yes. Fred. Fred, yeah. Yeah, you too, Peter. You can drive out and play okay. Woo! This, is, this is just this is just open play. to show we're and yeah, Mavericks, we don't even really have to RSVP. We just show up with our stuff and, and play. they got a
2: million tables and yeah. So but uh, yeah,
0: we're gonna, so I'll set that up. And we got a couple of folks that, that are a little bit closer to the Cincinnati area. So hopefully we can maybe catch a little more of the folks that uh, down at Mavericks then.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, usually our turnout's better at Epic Loop. But if you live in the Mason, Westchester, Cincinnati area, like come see us at Mavericks. Mavericks is a great shop and um, we'll have games. This brings us to a close for this episode of Dayton
0: Warcry Club. We'll be back next time with a report from my travels across the Midwest and also a preview of the Nova Open as we look forward to that event. In the meantime, you can always chat with us on the official Warcry Discord, linked in the description below. Until then, I'm War Machine. Fred Shred. And Peter. Thanks for listening. This brings this us, brings to, us a... to a Whoa. Whoa. God damn.